2: You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Uh, Usually it's, you know, how many games will the Pacers win this season? Uh, The truth is, I don't know how many games they're going to win, but if you think you know, you've got to go check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us, so that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Right now, MyBookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code READY25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code READY25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using our promo code READY25. And it's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take that extra cash.
0: Neil, the rebound. Throws it across. Miller for three. Ow! Oh, he backed it in. He backed it
1: in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Oh, assist no. G- oh what the, the block. Chicken. Double time. Miles
0: Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 oh no, no. a Throws it back to Oladipo, Stevenson behind, drives inside,
1: and the foul! Lance Stevenson, and a chance for a three-point play. He just head by the, the Stanson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast.
2: Welcome back to episode 17 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast, and I'm going to switch it up a little bit on you guys today. Sitting next to me, as always, Jake Light, Eric Honk, and, drumroll please, the intern.
1: Ooh! Wow! The Ep- intern getting on the Chris uh, Mullen episode. Who else would you say is number 17 if it comes to mind? Maybe like an Alshon Jeffrey. Was
2: Lou a Munson
3: 17? Um, I, sure. I was thinking more like maybe like Philip Rivers. Rivers yeah. No and, way.
1: And maybe like a 17 kids. 17 kids, <laughs> yeah, all 17.
2: That's, crazy. Oh, that's a good one. I Getting like back to topics, guys. Today, very special guest, Pacers Director of Corporate Communications and also host of the post-game show Pacers Overtime. You can hear that every time uh, you're leaving uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse after the home games. Eddie White. Um, so Eddie has had a very, very great career. Uh, had a lot of, you know, very cool positions in the past. He's worked with Reebok. He's re- worked uh, Adidas, Puma, and then he's also worked for the Miami Dolphins. And now he's been in with the, this role with the Pacers here for several, year, several years. So guys, what were your takeaways from our conversation with Eddie? Uh, what did you think were some of the cool things that you know he talked about?
1: Let's uh, let's put the pressure on the intern here and ask him first.
2: I thought it was an incredible interview. He's very—he had a lot of insight into the world of the Pacers that you just
1: don't get from anybody else. Well, for me, my blood was racing, my heart was pounding, everything was just going through my head when he was talking. He just drew so many like random like comparisons and analogies from left field. I, I thought his energy was electric. You can totally tell he does this for a living. I mean, just everything he said was spot on, and he's very optimistic, which I like in my in my reporting. So th- that's what I think.
3: I don't know if you guys can hear that. I'm lighting a lighter because that interview was fire. It was absolutely fire. fire. Uh, From the second he stepped on the mic with us there for the podcast, I mean, it was just, you could just tell it was going to be an awesome interview. He probably could have gone on for another 45 minutes to an hour. Um, unfortunately for you guys, our intern only gave us stuff for about an hour's worth, so it's kind of on him. Uh, first gaff of his you know, young career, but um, he was just awesome talking about all of the Super Bowl stuff, um, talking about the new Pacers. Uh, he, his insights are incredible, uh, kind of previewing the fan jam awesome episode i can't wait for you guys to
2: listen I, to yeah, it yeah i think one of my biggest takeaways and you had alluded to it in the interview there hawk was uh and i'm just going to kind of give it away there he makes you want to run through a brick wall <laughs> yeah. literally like he gets talking about something he's so passionate about it and i just want to go just like that guy needs to be like a head coach or something because i feel like he would just motivate the hell out of me to do anything
1: yeah and looking back on what he said he had all that old reebok stuff i just i just think he doesn't even realize that he has just a gold mind of swag sitting you know somewhere in his house that's just great
3: yeah how much would bills fans pay for that like super bowl memorabilia that he mentions that i mean never
1: came to fruition i mean we'll have to find out in the interview
3: exactly
2: coming up next our interview with eddie white hope you guys enjoy boom baby on today's podcast a very special guest guys uh pacers director of corporate communications and he's also the host of the post game show you can hear that after all pacers games pacers overtime today we have sitting with us eddie white eddie how's it going I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Appreciate you joining us, that's for sure. No problem. Um, so, you know, during your career, you've been able to work for some really notable places. Uh, you know, you've worked with the Dolphins down there in Miami. You've worked at Notre Dame, uh, Reebok, Adidas, Puma. And now you're with the Pacers in your current role that you've held here for several years. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of those past positions that you've held? And, you know, what are some of your main duties that you do now with the Pacers?
0: Well, now uh, I work in a lot of different areas with Pacers. I try to help out in public relations, marketing, uh, just about anything. Not just the Pacers, but also the Fever. Of course, uh, Pacers Gaming, which is our new esports team in the NBA 2K League. And then, uh, you know, anything we can do to help uh, content for Pacers.com, whether it's Interviewing people who come in for the game, or the celebrities, or whatever. And then uh, the main thing has been uh, we tried to when I got here, God, seven eight years ago, is to revitalize uh, the post game show. And uh, for a while they didn't have one, and the just had weren't doing well at that time. And I guess maybe it's understandable, but I just thought it was a a pretty good vehicle to engage with fans, uh, to entertain fans. Uh, you know, you got you got eighty two games. You know, 41 times people are driving home from a banker's life. They turn on the radio, and, and I just I wanted to have something different. I mean, having worked, you, you mentioned some of the places I worked with Notre Dame or the Dolphins, and rather right the Reebok, and Adidas, I worked with every NBA and every NFL team, so I've been in every market. And I just, I, most teams' post-game shows are they're just boring. I mean, they're khaki, they're beige. It's regurgitation of stats and a lot of homerism and stuff, and I said, well, let's make it different. And Knowing that you had, you know, 41 times people are leaving our house to go home, I want it to be entertaining. So whether we win or lose, you know, I want to have that conversation with Mark Boyle where we talk about the game, and then we end up talking about life, and we get more comments about that than anything. And then Mark Pete joins us after he had just been to the locker room, so he gives us really a first take on what just happened right from the horse's mouth. And uh, and we've tried to make it fun, entertaining, and educational. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's rewarding when you, whether we're at Fan Jam or, or just at the mall or anywhere, and people come up and go, hey, are you ready for the patient? I go, yes. Like, boy, I love listening to you and Mark after the games, you know, blah, 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 blah. So we've kind of taken that vehicle, um, which, you know, uh, the whole patient sports entertainment have taken every, you know, asset that we have and have geared it to make it the best game experience for our fans, whether it's Boomer, the Pace the music, the, the, the video screen. I mean, when you come to a game, it's not just a basketball game. You know, We're coming and hoping the paces win, but when you go home, win or lose, I think most people will say they had a great experience, and I, I try to help with whatever little part I can uh, to accomplish that.
3: Yeah, it's absolutely one of the most entertaining things. I know we go to several games a year, we definitely we tune in, and so – Definitely appreciate that. Um, as, as Chris mentioned, you've had some great, great jobs. I mean, other than this pacer job you're currently holding, which which job? The Dolphins, what you were doing with Notre Dame, the Reebok Adidas Puma stuff. What uh, what job did you enjoy the most?
0: Well, that's a tough question because they were, it's almost asking if you have five kids, which one do you love the most? You love them all. And I, I think I loved every place I, I was. Uh, they all had some really good things about it, but I think like any job, you know, there's, there's some things maybe you don't like about it. But you know, Notre Dame was certainly great because um, you know it's Notre Dame, and, and you know the beauty of Notre Dame is half the country loves Notre Dame, the other half hates Notre Dame, and you know to work with Coach Faust and work with Coach Holtz, and and to be exposed to so many things there, and then the Dolphins. I mean, to work with you know, a guy who is still the winningest coach in the history of professional football, Don Shula. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned so much under Coach Holt and so much under Coach Shula to work alongside, you know, Dan Marino, one of the greats of all time, and the Marx brothers, Duper and Clayton, and then, you know, the, the Logo Athletic, Logo 7, Puma, Adidas, Reebok. You know, that was over 20 years working with, you know, the USA men's and women's basketball programs, the WNBA, the NBA, the, the NFL. And I, I got to know, you know, Almost every organization really well and and I could see why you know some organizations always won and maybe why some other organizations always lost. And I know this isn't a popular statement in Indiana, but but I like because he's a friend of mine, I really like Bill Belichick and I understand why he wins and, and, and I understand his culture there. Um, and then and then the, the opportunity to do a radio show with Bob Kravitz in Indianapolis for for the fan was was a great experience. I've never been on the radio before. Excuse me, and that was uh, that was both enlightening and opened my eyes to a lot of things. And then did the, I helped out with the host committee when we hosted the Super Bowl, which yeah, I was fortunate to in my career work twenty six consecutive Super Bowls in different capacities. And I just thought Indianapolis did it better than anybody. Uh, and then this opportunity uh, to work for an organization that not only wants to win basketball games, but more importantly, and it starts with our owner they're serious about serving community or that's our building and turning it into a, a house of, 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 memorial for a fallen, uh, policeman or woman. Um, you know, uh, the, the ceremony we had when Dan Weldon passed, uh, you know, setting it up for graduation for Warren central high school, uh, to then hosting of course, basketball games and whether it's big 10 or the NBA, uh, and then serving the community through the vehicles that are the Pacers, the Mad Ants, Pacers gaming and the fever, uh, It it really is rewarding. I mean, I've always said that Central Indiana is so lucky to have the the custodians of the sports properties that we have, whether it's the Holman-George family or the Schumachers with the Indians, uh, the Ursae family with the Colts, and, of course, um, Mr. Simon and his family with the Pacers. They are all geared towards making Central Indiana as good as it could be, Mm -hmm. and it's really – uh, I'm very humble, and I, and I, and because I'm old and I've worked a lot of places, I do not take it for granted. I cherish it every day that I, I get to come to work at the 125 South Pennsylvania street.
3: Yeah. You had mentioned just a little bit earlier in that. I mean, you had mentioned you'd done a radio show with Bob Kravitz on 1070, the fans. So, um, obviously you're doing some post game overtime or Pacers overtime now. So what do you enjoy most about being on the radio now specifically talking about the Pacers?
0: Um, what I enjoy the most, I I think, is just engaging with the fans. I mean, it's just, it's a great vehicle, whether, you know, it's through Twitter or it's through our post-game show or, you know, when I'll be on shows like this or go on some of the the radio stations in Indianapolis or the Sunday night shows, um, engaging with the fans and talking about this this thing that, you know, I didn't grow up in Indiana, but I've now lived more than half my life in, in the state of Indiana. And you know that, you know, that, that that saying is not just a saying on a T-shirt. It's real. And you know the one I'm talking about. In 49 states, it's just basketball, but this is Indiana. And there's something to that, whether, you know, obviously a lot of it started with the great high school tradition we have. And, you know, we love the fact that every year the IHSAA comes into our building and they crowned four girls and four boys state champions in the great sport of basketball. And then when you think about what, what, what Indiana created and Purdue and Notre Dame and Butler, I mean, oh my God, and men's basketball and then women's basketball. Purdue and Notre Dame having won national championships. Notre Dame last year, the dramatic final four they had. I mean, that's all basketball and that's all in this great state. Yeah. And, and it's not just at the pro level. I mean, look at the, the pause women's team. I mean, Marion's uh, men's team with the great Scott Hetty. I mean, pick a level. The sport of basketball is alive and well in the great state of Indiana, and I just get energized when I can go and talk to people about it, and, and, and in particular our teams, whether it be the Fever uh, or, or the Pacers or the Mad Ants or now in this new age of eSports and the NBA 2K League Pacers gaming.
3: Right, I, mean, I obviously, there's so much going on in the state of Indiana, and like you said, in 49 states, it's it's just basketball. But I mean, here, you know, it means something. It's something big, um, and I feel that every single time I go to a Pacer game, every single time I'm coaching a high school basketball game, I mean, it is huge here. Um, but anyways, you had former uh, President Obama on your old show, and I think that you've actually interviewed him a couple of times. So, what was that experience like?
0: That was incredible. I mean, we had him on when he was running and. Travis and I had a joke. Uh, we had read in the paper that, that Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton were both opening up their, uh, their headquarters because they are running against each other like that week in Indianapolis. So we just kind of threw out being goofballs that we are that, you know, whoever came on our show first, we would endorse like we had had Cloud. And uh, I remember I was down at the NFL owner's meeting uh, doing my portion of the show because I was doing stuff consulting for Reebok, and, uh, you know, we grabbed some guests down there, and I remember getting a call from our producer, Michael Grady, the day before, and said, you're not going to believe this, but, because uh, he had reached out to each place, and, like, Hillary's people just hung up on us, and, and the guy who answered the phone in Indianapolis, I guess, listened to our show religiously, so he sent up the flagpole and said, hey, believe it or not, but tomorrow we have the senator from Illinois coming on our show. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, so... I tried to grab Tony Dungy to join me live uh, at the owner's meeting in Florida at Palm Beach, but Tony said he was going to be in a meeting then. So I had him tape a greeting for Obama. So I did a little research. So, you know, it's the next day, and the the call comes in, and we welcome the show. And I said, well, first of all, Senator, I said, "Uh, you know, I know you're from, uh, I think it was Punahou or something like that, high school in Honolulu. And I said, right now the most famous graduate is Michelle Wee. Uh, but you, if you win, would be the most famous graduate. He started laughing, and I said, now, wait a minute. I also did some research. You played high school basketball, and I believe your number was 23. And he goes, that's correct. I said, so, wait a minute. You, and again, you know, he was living in Chicago at this time, I said, you were 23 before that other guy wore 23. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really your number, and he, he kind of liked that. And then uh, and then we are all done, uh, I said, we have a special treat for you. And we played the greeting from Tony Dungy, and he he was caught off guard. He goes, you know, guys, I do eight million interviews a day. Although this is my first sports show that I've done yet on the campaign, so we have that to put on our resume. He goes, sometimes I have no idea what city I'm in or who I'm talking to, but I'm going to remember this. That's one of the nicest things anybody ever yeah. did for me to to play that greeting. And uh, he said, I'll come on again and. And he did promise us that if he won, he'd invite us uh, you know, to the White House. And I said, I want to just do the show from the Rose Garden. I promised not to steal too many <laughs> items. But we never followed up on that. They kind of pulled the plug on us after a couple of years. So we never got a chance to, to do our show from the White House. But uh, he did come out again. And uh, I, I think, you know, the one thing, that when I, as I reflect on that time with Bob, I'm very um, um, prideful in what we did as a a two-person show, that we attack serious issues, I think, like no other two-person show in the history of Central Indiana, whether it was when Calipari, you know, Bobby Knight had ripped Calipari, and Calipari was on our show the next day talking about it. Uh, But then we'd also have the the goofy part of it, too. But I I just thought our perspectives, here's Bob, who's been covering sports on all levels. I mean, God, he wrote for Sports Illustrated you know, for a hundred years. And here's me who, you know, has been in sports PR for a hundred years that we, you know, we weren't radio guys, you know, yeah. we didn't have the fake voices, the fake names, all the other fakeness that you get with radio voices. You know, we were just two guys who had given our careers to sports in two different levels. One is a writer and the other is a PR guy. And, um, you know, and we knew people, I mean, we knew people, we could get good guests. Um, we could offer perspectives and, and, they could be perspectives based on experiences and based on, you know, places we had been or, or people we had known or things we had done. Um, and it wasn't just an opinion. I mean, sometimes I think sports radio, I don't like it because it's just, uh, it's like a, it's like asking my uncle, you know, what do you think? So I think the Eagles are going undefeated. Okay, well, <laughs> based on what? I mean, yeah. you know, and, and so very prideful that Bob and I were able to bring, I call it educated sports talk To the listeners. And, you know, I'm I'm prideful that, you know, when when we were done, you know, we had the number one show in the market. And I still think, somebody told me we still have the highest rated sports show like ever, you know, in in that time slot, uh, you know, in Indiana. So, very prideful of what we did. But um, I try not to look back sometimes. I mean, just maybe to reflect for a little bit. But, you know, it's about the now. And I think if you look back, you can maybe miss on today or tomorrow. And, we have so much going on you know with the patients that we're trying to build and especially with this team oh my god and, oh, yeah. and this season coming up and and this off season it's just been it's just been wonderful and, and and you know i always tell people if you meet 10 million people in your life and i'm one of them i'm probably one of the top 10 luckiest people you've ever met because i've been so blessed to work at some really really good places with some really really good people
2: absolutely um so you Kind of just mentioned, you know, not looking too back in the past. But I'm going to ask you one more question right now to, yeah. uh, to you know, kind of look back. You know, maybe it was last year, maybe it was a few years ago. But uh, you've been in this Pacers role since I think 2011. So um, you've obviously several different teams. You know, you had those couple seasons the Pacers making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Would you say there were some specific players, you know, over that time frame that have came into the organization that you've just really connected with, you really like to see? I mean, obviously there's probably tons of players that you enjoy, but anybody specific to you that stood out the most?
0: Um, you know, the easy answer might be the right answer, and it might be this group right here. I, I said this last year many times during the season and Mark Monteith and I would talk about it after the games on our post game show. And Mark Monteith, of course, longtime sports writer, has covered sports for almost fifty years, he covered you know, Purdue. He's a beat writer, high school, uh, the Earl the Pacers of the ABA, the NBA. So he's covered a million teams in a million games. And I've been around a lot of teams we just talked about, a lot of different leagues too. Um, especially the NFL. And both of us agreed halfway through last season, which is kind of remarkable that this locker room that Kevin Pritchard built was something we had never seen before. It was almost a collegial locker room um, where they'd go on the road and usually the NBA just clicks and you got four guys go this way and three guys go that way. And one guy goes this way. This team went as a group. They'd go have dinner for 14. Um, It's the most, close-knit group I had ever seen in professional sports on any level in my career. And and I remember Coach Shuley always used to say, he used to talk about team chemistry. And he said, when you have it, it is so special. Mm -hmm. It's borderline magical that you may not have the better team, but you may be able to accomplish things that that people had no idea could be accomplished. And we have that culture. I mean, there may be better teams. There certainly are. Golden State, I'm sure, is better than us. But our culture and our locker room is so special. And whether it's Victor, who's certainly the straw that stirs the drink, but don't mistake what what, what Domas means to this thing, what Miles means to it, Boyan. I mean, uh, Darren Collison, you know Thad Young last year, Al Jefferson. I mean, you and I played more minutes than Al Jefferson, and they'll tell you he was the MVP of the team because he kept guys together, he kept them loose. He was a he was a vital part to what we were building there. So I mean, it, I, I think that my most favorite group is this group, and, yeah. and it, 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 that's why I, I don't think it's a it's a it's a coincidence that that Kevin Pritchard, you know, kept the seven core guys together. You know, added three important pieces from last year. And because, hey, these guys came in last year, everybody overachieved. You know what? He, he said it. It's his words. I owe it to them to see how far they can take this thing. And it is a, there's a reason this region and this state and Pacer Nation fell in love with this team again. They saw the effort, they saw the character, they saw what they did, they saw the results. And uh, it, it is something that you need to, I think, cherish and embrace because it doesn't come along all the time. And uh, so I, I, for sure, it's, it's this group of young men that we have that is very, very special that I think is very endearing.
2: Yeah, and kind of harp on what you just mentioned, though, too, like the team chemistry. You also saw those guys here even this past summer, even bringing in some of the new additions. Uh, I think they met up in Miami and they had, like, I don't know how many days it was, but two or three nights, whatever it was. They got together, um, and they just hung out, probably played some basketball, you know, probably had some drinks, ate together. So it was pretty cool to see that, you know, this group of guys, because most teams in the past, or most teams now, you probably wouldn't see them getting together like that during the offseason. So it was cool to see them all go down in, to Miami and get together like that.
0: It's very rare, and it's, and it's very important. You ask any coach or any general manager or leader, it doesn't matter the sport, if you have that culture, that camaraderie, that trust, uh, Coach Holtz was a big believer in that. And, you know, not only is it what what Victor did bringing everybody down to Miami, and it was volunteered and everybody showed up. It's what, you know, Domas went to Dallas to work overtime extra hard with Miles. I mean, those guys are like joined at the hip. And then they all came down to Miami and they worked really hard on things. They're so committed a, a, as a unit uh, to doing, you know, the best that they can be. And and, and, and you know, Coach Holtz used to say that, you know, you, you, you want to win the national championship. You don't go into a year saying, hey, I hope we go six and five. No, you, you want to win the championship. And I think that's what that's what the goal is of this team is, you know, I think last year we knew we were better than Cleveland. I think anybody knows. I mean, arguably, we won five of the seven games. Usually, you have to win four to win the series. I mean, on paper, we only won three, but I think we won five of them, and yeah. I, I'm going to believe that till I'm dead. Uh, I still think we're the better team, uh, but I think this is this. If we stay healthy, we. I, I think they're going to pick up where they left off uh, last year, and they will go even farther. Yeah, we were at Game
3: Seven last year in Cleveland. It was uh, it was a very tough loss because I think. W- we as fans knew what we had, and it was just so tough going in into Cleveland and having, having to listen to everyone, just basically LeBron James this, LeBron James that, and we truly felt like we had the better team, and we were pretty confident, I think, going into Game 7 as fans, in Pacers uniforms, um, it, was, it was an awesome experience, I just wish we could have pulled it out, like you said, a great group of guys, and I think we can still build, build on that for this year, do you agree?
0: You no, absolutely. I mean, you guys saw it. I mean, you guys know this team. I mean, I'm not, you know, you guys know what the hell you're talking about. And Kevin Pritchard does. And we all saw it against Cleveland. Kevin said it. We needed shooting from that second unit. That's what we needed. That's what we were missing. And when you look and see what he did with Tyreek Evans, my God, that guy would start at any other team in the NBA. He's coming off the bench for us. And McDermott could be the next Kyle Korver, which would be unbelievable. And this Kyle Quinn is a beast. So if you get McDermott, and all of a sudden McDermott and Sabonis and Tyreek Evans are doing what they can do and maxing out, holy mackerel, that's your second unit? I mean, if that doesn't get a basketball person excited, I don't know what will. So, I mean, there's a reason Kevin Pritchard went after those guys. He has said it many times. He doesn't just go after maybe the best player available or this guy's a super talent. It has to be somebody who fits our culture, who understands what we're about, who understands what Indiana's about, who understands what our fans are about. And every one of those guys he met, especially Tyreek. And Tyreek Evans came in with a question mark. A lot of people are like, wait a minute. This guy maybe had some issues in Memphis and what's going on. I spent time with him after his press conference. He is the flat-out real deal. He is so committed to proving people that he wants to win. McDermott is—it's like it, you know this kid. I remember him coming to a Pacers game with his dad years and years ago. When he was in college. I mean, he had a Pacers shirt and everything. He's—he's he's fired up. You know, Quinn may be the funniest guy in the organization, not named Eddie White. I mean, <laughs> this guy—this guy does bar mitzvahs. I mean, he's a comedian, uh, but he's also as big as. Lucas Royal Stadium, and he just eats rebounds. So, I mean, you know, I'm fired up to see these guys get out there with all the guys coming back from last year, the key guys coming back from last year, that core seven. I mean, this is, uh, again, I, 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 on paper, I think we're going to be really, really good. And I think once you get on the court, if we stay healthy, we're going to be really, really good.
3: Yeah, next question was actually about you know the moves they made this offseason, and I think you hit them pretty well. So I think one of the things we were worried about as Pacer fans, we probably were not going to put together a starting five better than what the Celtics could or even Philadelphia. But what we could do was make our second unit the best second unit in the NBA and give us a fighting shot to get out of the East. So you, the one thing you did mention was Kyle Quinn. Um, and we thought the Kylo Quinn signing was awesome. Like we we've watched him. Uh, we play we play FanDuel. We we're we're watching Knicks games. We were excited to get those get, get him in the locker room. But it sounds like they're going with TJ Leaf kind of initially in that second unit. What do you think about that? Do You like that move? Uh, how do you
0: think that'll work out? Well, I think it's gonna be TJ's time to, to keep it. You know, I mean, you know, he's uh, you know, I mean, it's time for him to step up. The kid has worked really really hard and it's nice to have options i mean kevin is kevin pritchard has said this many times over it's not about finishing fourth or third or winning x amount of games it's about advancing in the playoffs i mean kevin pritchard learned under some pretty good guys one was larry brown another guy was greg popovich i think those guys know what the hell they're talking about yeah and it's about having your team prep for the playoffs it's not about making the playoffs. It's not about winning as many regular season games as you can. Can you be prepped for the playoffs? And, you, you know, the benches get shorter, and you have to have guys who can step up and play with a spotlight hit. And that's why I think, you know, he knew where we were deficient last year. Uh, if you look, yeah, Lance brought great energy. Lance brought excitement. He was a fan favorite. But Lance was Lance. I mean, we all know that. I mean, you know, with, during the regular season, you know, seven or eight games, Victor missed. There was a chance for Lance to step up. We lost every one of those games, every one of them. And I think now you got Tyreek Evans, and you got working with Sabonis, you know, and with Kyle Quinn, and at McDermott, you know, everybody's questioned McDermott's defense. Well, I remind people they questioned Boyan Bogdanovich's defense too. And he ended up being a pretty good defensive player. And they got different roles to some extent. Uh, but I think McDermott is going to be like that Kyle Corver that we, that has killed us over the years. And I just think Kevin Pritchard has earned, um, a, a long string of rope for Pacers fans to say, hey, you know what? You know, a year ago, we were all like, oh my God, we're doomed. Paul George is gone. You know, we're, we're going to be a lottery team. You know we're going to be bad for a, couple, a stretch here, a couple of years. And Kevin Pritchard got to work. Ron and Chad Buchanan, who's been a godsend as this GM, and those guys, along with their staff, have really done a remarkable job. In the you know obviously last off season, and we saw the results this past year, and now in this this off season, I think he has given us with Pacer fans. And I've said this many times, because I root for all of our teams here. If I'm a guy who lives or I'm a gal who lives in Indiana and I love the Pacers and I love the Colts. You are your teams are in great hands because I have the greatest respect for Kevin Pritchard and I have the greatest respect for Chris Ballard. Those two guys know what they're doing. And I've also said this many times. As fans and as our teams, you, you and I heard this years and years and years ago. You want to live on a street you want to live on a corner of two streets and those streets are the street where sense of urgency meets patience and that's where chris ballard and uh, kevin pritchard live sense of urgency to win to do the right thing to make the right decision but also patience having the patience don't mortgage the future don't Try to make that big freaking trade where, you know, you get up two-number-one two, two or whatever the hell it is, yeah. and it blows up in your face because then it screws you for five to seven years. Both of those guys know what the hell they're doing. i am tell you, that if, if, if the Colts or the Pacers were stocks, I'd buy a lot of both of them.
1: That's awesome to hear. As fans of the team, we are obviously biased and lean towards thinking about the, the strengths of our team over the weaknesses. But as it's just now, what would you say is the Pacers' biggest weakness heading into the season?
0: Um. Well, that's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> biggest, biggest biggest weakness. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it is now. I mean, every team is flawed. I mean, every team has something, and just sometimes your strengths are so good you you, you can you can live with the weaknesses. I mean, God, the, the greatest hitters in baseball get out seven every time, ten times they come to the plate. I mean, how good is that? No. When you bat ten times, you get out seven times, and you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're one of the better hitters in baseball. Yeah. So I mean, I think you have to try to overcome what what negatives you might have. I mean, last year people would have would have said probably before the season it was point guard, and yeah. I thought Darren Collison what, he had a career year played pretty well. You expect him to step up. I think Holiday gives us a phenomenal uh, talent uh, coming in as a, as a rookie uh, that can help us. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if, if there's a weakness I could point to. I mean, I guess it would be, if I had to pick one, um, it would be, if it, not a weakness, let's say it's a question mark. The question mark would be the pivot play from Miles. I think we all agree that Miles Turner needs to insert himself into the conversation as one of the top big men in the league. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to, he's playing for a big contract coming up. Uh, he's worked so hard. Uh, you know, the kid has really worked. Hard. He is a great kid. His mom and dad raised a wonderful young man, and he's worked really hard. He's committed to our community. My God, I all mean, he, he he hadn't played here yet, and he was already doing stuff to help the homeless people. You know, in the winter with the with the gloves and and the scarves and stuff like that. So, I mean, he is. Drawn up on paper, he's the type of guy you'd want to marry your sister or your daughter. <laughs> but the, it is imperative that Miles uh, turns up the pivot play and becomes the player that he could be defensively. Yeah, score a little bit, but be the guy defensively that is a presence inside that's going to make guys think twice about going inside. If he can deliver on that, holy mackerel you're gonna be in for a phenomenal season this year from the Indiana Pacers.
1: I like that. There are no weaknesses. I like that quote there. <laughs> um, so
2: it's other- it's just question marks, no weaknesses just question marks Yeah. Um, other than those you know uh, the off-season moves we just talked about. so the biggest uh, newsworthy headline that we got this summer from the Pacers was uh, also the extension of uh, Nate McMillan's contract. I think he, they got extended for another two or three years, whatever it was. Um, so what do you think were some of the main characteristics of, you know, his coaching style nowadays that um, have put him in a position of success here over the first two years? You know, that first season he was there, um, there was high expectations for that team. But I think looking back on it, they weren't as good as most people thought they were. So I guess you could probably say they overachieved and obviously last year. So what do you think that he's done or – with the Pacers now, that's put him in such a good position of success going forward.
0: Well, I think the key thing is his relationship with Kevin Pritchard. I mean, they've known each other a long, long time. And, you know, Kevin had said this last week, uh, you know, we have nine free agents on a team this year. Now, that could be good or that could be bad. And he reminded everybody that Nate McMillan once had a team in Seattle that had ten free agents. And they went out and won 52 games. Yeah. So he can handle situations. He's been around the block. You know, there's no, there is there is something to experience, whether whether you're a mailman, you know, and you know how to navigate the bad weather and, and get up to those mailboxes or something like that, or, or you're a, 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 a radio host and you know how to handle it when the board goes out. I mean, there's something to experience. You can make decisions. In a cool, calm, and collected manner that also that that kind of uh, steadies the ship. And I think any coach will tell you they're a better coach in their tenth year than they were in their fourth year. There's a reason some guys their first run as a head coach it doesn't work out too well. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. I mean, it didn't work out. He was headed in the right direction, but they pulled the plug in Cleveland, and now look at the success he's had in New England. Sometimes it, it's, it's players. I'm going to date myself now, but that, I'm old. I mean, I remember when this guy won the Heisman Trophy, number one pick of the England Patriots. He goes there. His name is Jim Plunkett. And he's a flat-out bust. He goes to the Oakland Raiders, has a career that rivals Eli Manning's. Wins the Super Bowl, a couple league MVPs. He figured it out. So there, my point is there's something to experience. Nate McMillan has that, and then... And I think because I've worked with so many teams, this is the perspective I have that maybe the average fan doesn't get. There's something, when you're in there, and I'm not talking the two and a half hours that we're in the building watching the game, but when you're in there like now, you know, during the offseason, you're having meetings, and you're looking at film, and then you're, you're during the season, you're sitting at lunch, or you're at a practice, or you're at a film session, the idea and the feeling of trust, Trust between the guy who puts the team together and the guy who coaches the team is imperative to success. And we have that. Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan know each other like two brothers. And uh, that is a really important piece to uh, the many pieces of a puzzle that goes into making up our organization. And I think uh, that's why Kevin, you know, gave Nate the extension. He has total, tr- total trust in Nate. He could have gone to a younger, hip, bigger name, you know, cool guy, whatever the heck it is. But I just thought, you know, one, the, these players believe in Nate. Nate believes in the players. And, you know, if last year is their your sample size, you know, first semester report card. Well, you did pretty good. And it looks like you're on your way to a dean's list.
3: Agreed. Um, The way that Victor Oladipo came over here in the trade and won all the Pacers fans over in a very little amount of time is uh, obviously a remarkable feat. So obviously there is an IU connection there, but would you say that he is the most beloved Pacer since
0: Reggie already? I think that's fair. I I think using your word, beloved, I think that's fair. I mean, the Indy Star just came out with a poll... Uh, recently that said, you know, he was the most popular indie, indie, uh, professional athlete. Um, I think the way he captured the hearts of people with his play and, and, you know, saying this is my town, I think it helps that he played in Bloomington. Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, since Reggie retired, you know, Paul was, was the next superstar. And there were some popular players in there. I mean, even when Reggie played, I mean, he, he, even now, like, you know, Domas is very popular and Miles is popular. But when Reggie played, you know, the Davis brothers were popular. A lot of people like Mark Jackson. Uh, you know, everybody had their little clicks. But in pure, you know, high-ranking Mount Rushmore popularity, you know, in football, of course, it, it's Peyton Manning by far, which I don't even know if there is somebody in second place that, in, in the Colts hierarchy. But with Reggie, and we're talking recent times, none of us were alive, Roger Brown, George McGinnis, and I mean, those guys owned Indiana. I mean, they owned it. Uh, but, but for just, you know, the last 30 years, yeah, Reggie Miller's the guy for the Pacers, and I think it is very safe to say since Reggie, you know, and it's remarkable that he did it in one year, uh, the next popular has to be Victor Oladipo.
3: Right. How do you think Victor won over the franchise so quickly? Um, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, he came into it, and everyone thought it was going to be a down year, but he kind of took over the franchise. How do you do it so quickly, and what are your expectations for him
0: uh, moving forward? Well, I think one of the things I learned as I got older is that the greatest marketing tool there is is wins. I can remember years and years and years ago, Arthur Bebock and the owners of the uh, Tintley Buccaneers were changing their colors from from that popsicle orange and white to uh, pewter and this weird red and, and silver and stuff. And, and they thought that that's going to be cool. We're going to sell tons of shirts with the new logo. And, well, it just so happened that a guy named John Gruden came in and took Tony Dungy's players and won a Super Bowl, and they sold stuff. And I said, really, if you'd kept your orange and white colors, you still would have sold stuff. The greatest marketing tool there is at the end of the day is wins. And I think the key to Victor is that he brought winning to this program. They won games. Uh, and he did it with a flair and a flavor that was what – we want from our, our Indiana basketball players. A guy that, ha- he's, he's not cool. You know, he, he, he's not worrying about hip. I mean, he may do his music, he may dress well, but he has a work ethic and a blue-collar attitude that the people who saw Billy Keller at, at play in, in high school and college, who saw the Shepard brothers play up the Carmel back in the 60s, in the 70s, and saw their work ethic in that blue collar, always in the gym, that skinny, blind-haired kid from down in French Lick who would borrowed a key to get in the gym to, to shoot early. That work ethic is a work ethic that everybody in this state admires, loves, and aspires to have, and they saw a guy that plays for their pro team have that. And then you add in that the, 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 the icing on the cake is that he played in Indiana that he was familiar, and then his demeanor, the likability, the, the, the pointing to the court and saying, this is my house, this is this is my city. Uh, add all that in the mix, and it's like a concoction that is intoxicating. You can't help but like it. There's no negativity. There's no, you know, he's a bad guy, or he does this, or he's out late, or whatever. No. And then you then, then every time you pick up something, you read He's organizing this volunteer deal, and they're all coming down to work out with him and, him and hang out with him. I mean, and then and you keep adding and adding to the story. You know, how many guys we know, you ask them, hey, uh, listen, they want you to drive the pace car. Uh, I'm not going to do that stuff, you know, you know, one be too scared or whatever. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. That's great. That's one of the great traditions of our state, the Indy 500. I'll drive the pace car. What? <laughs> who the hell does that? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you might get somebody to wave the flag, but who the hell's going to have the guts to jump in that car and drive it? Victor Oladipo. So at, 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 when we first started talking, I, I said something about the team. I'm going to say about him. You cannot take him and what we're watching for granted. They don't come around all the time. You know, Peyton Manning doesn't come walking in that door, you know, every 10 years. When you get somebody Reggie Miller doesn't come in every ten years. When you get that unique special talent that checks all the boxes, man, embrace it. Fall in love and go. And and, 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 and that's what that's what Victor's done for all of us. hmm Absolutely.
2: Um, so you've hit we've hit on a lot, you know, the off season, last year's last year's team, the off season and uh uh, all these other things that have happened here in the last few months. So wrapping it all together there, um, where do you see reala- realistically the Pacers finishing seeding-wise in the East this year? And then do you think that they have you know, a pretty good shot, especially now with LeBron out in the Western Conference, of uh,
0: making a run at the NBA Finals this year? Um, I-, I believe we'll finish in the top half of the Eastern Conference. Uh, that means that's one of four slots and I could keep them in any one of those four. I do believe that just trying to get a sheer number of wins is not that important yeah. to the coaching staff. It's preparing the team for the playoffs, the grind of the playoffs, because it's a long, long, I mean, you know, you play a game and then you rest for three days, you know, and you play another game and you know, I mean, the series are stretched out unlike the regular season. And if you advance from one round to the next to the next, you play it for two months. So um, I think the coaches and Kevin Pritchard, they're all on the same page with a game plan that we're building for the playoffs. Just getting in is not what the goal is. The goal is getting in and winning and advancing. And that's the key thing. And it doesn't matter if we're fourth. I don't think it matters if we're third, second, or first. I think if we get the top, one of the top four spots, which I believe we will, I think we can compete with any team. You know, on paper, you could, yeah, maybe Boston's more talented. I get that. But we saw last year an injury can change some things. And, uh, I just think that there isn't a team in the East that scares me or that I think maybe we don't match up well against because, quite frankly, I'm not quite sure how we're going to look. You know, we all have an idea. But things are going to play out. I mean, who, who, who knows that maybe Holiday, what if Holiday becomes the NBA Rookie of the Year, you know, with, with minutes off the bench? But we don't know. So there's a lot of, that's why you play 82 games and see what the hell is going to happen. But I think if we stay healthy and 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 kind of things go the way, you know, Kevin and, and Coach are drawing things up, I think we could be a team that advances, uh, certainly out of the first round of the playoffs, And I could see us maybe, just maybe, playing for an Eastern Conference Championship. Now, once you get into that, we know what happens at Bankers Light Fieldhouse. It becomes an insane asylum. Mm. And then you never know. And, my God, wouldn't it be great to, like, get to the NBA Finals? And wouldn't it be great? I mean, to me, I I like beating Darth Vader. I like, you know, all those years of of getting to the altar and getting crushed by the New England Patriots. It was phenomenal when we finally beat the Patriots, got past them, and got to, the, got to the championship. I would love, me and my dream, to play the Lakers in the NBA Finals and finally beat that son of a gun and hang a banner in Baker's Life Fieldhouse for our owner because if anybody deserves that NBA championship, it's Herb Simon. He's in his 80s. He's been loyal to this city forever. And I don't know what our state would be without Herb and his late brother Mel, I mean, the Simon Cancer Center, the mall downtown, I mean, everything that the Simon family has touched, you know, has helped our state. Uh, I really want us to win a world championship for him, but uh, and that's the way way I'm wired, man. I I don't want to beat, you know, I don't know, Portland or somebody for the NBA championship. Man, if we're going to win a championship, let's beat LeBron. And, and step right over his head and let's bring a, let's bring a, a banner to Bankers his
1: life. i, I got to tell you, Eddie, I, I kind of want to run through a brick wall right now just hearing you <laughs> talk about this. I can't wait for the season. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're going to switch topics just a little bit on this next question here. You have been to over 25 Super Bowls, and along the way you've compiled a great collection at your home of Super Bowl collectibles. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, things you've collected over the years and what are some of the best items you have from those Super Bowls?
0: Oh, God. Uh, well, fortunately, um, when I was a Reebok, we, you know, we'd do the hats, the shirts. So I would get a hat uh, that we handed out in the locker room and, uh, you know, get it signed by either the MVP. Uh, a good friend of mine, a guy named George Tomba, who's the, the the God of sod, they call him. He does all the the ground keeping for all the Super Bowls. And he's from my hometown. My grandfather gave him his first job. So he would give me one of the sideline markers, like the G with the Super Bowl logo by, yeah. by the end zone, or like the the, 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 the orange pylon that was on the 20-yard line with the Super Bowl logo on it, and I'd give him a, a couple of the hats of the winning team, and, and I'd slide some of the hats of the... I used to, because Chris Berman... You know, the answer, he, he loved the Buffalo Bills, so I would always give him the Bills Super Bowl Champs hat. Yeah. The hat that they never wore because they got beat. But somewhere, Chris <laughs> Bourbon has the hat for the four Buffalo Bills Super Bowl champion teams that never won. God. Um,
1: that's a and, relic. You know, that's,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a collectible. But, uh, you yeah, know, you picked up some stuff. But I, I think more of the stuff for me is stuff that's personal. Uh, you know, guys that you worked with over the years and. You know, they gave me something, whether, you know, all those years I worked with Marino, where you got a jersey from him, or, you know, t- t- Troy Aikman, uh, you know, uh, 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 Peyton, you know, guys like that, that, you know, that became friends, that, that you worked with Marcus Allen, uh, when he scored his other touchdown, and gave me a nice deal, and, uh, you know, just been blessed to, to, to meet some really good guys, and, uh, and share some great memories with them.
1: The, the Colts Super Bowl must have been a pretty special one for you. What was it you collected from that game, and what are, what are just some of your thoughts on that game?
0: Well, I got the hat signed by uh, Dungey and Peyton, uh, Marvin, Reggie, Ben Terry. Uh, I got a football that was used in the game. Uh, the, NBA docu- or the, NBA, the NFL documents that stuff. So a friend of mine that, that works for the NFL, that I worked all these Super Bowls with, he knew I was from Indy, so he got me a ball that was used in the game. And uh, it was just so great for our city, you know. I mean, I remember when I first got here working Colts games on the sideline, and, you know, I remember the Colts have a 1 o'clock game. It would be like 3.30, and, you know, Colts were lousy, and, like, half the building was leaving. I'm like, where's anybody going? They're like, oh, the IU game's come out at 4 o'clock on Channel 4. (laughs) I'm like, what? And you know, uh, and you know, Peyton changed that. You know, yeah. and, and to, to think that a Lombardi Trophy came to Indianapolis. And I do agree with Jim Irsay to some extent when uh, he had, he was quoted in saying that you know that there should have been a couple other championships in there with the in the Manning years with all the those great regular season uh, teams that they had. And you know, I agree with him. It's unfortunate you had New England in that same division for a long time that you had to get by to get there, but. uh, But just that memory of, 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 you know, in the rain in Miami, you know, Tony Dungy, who, you know, we worked with Tony when his first job in Tampa. In fact, when he moved to Indianapolis, uh, him and his family and his wife and the kids that were little would come over our house, hang out, because he didn't know anybody. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of a sudden here's this guy that, in fact, uh, one of the first dinners they had in Tampa was the famous Burns Steakhouse. We went down to meet with him because he was a new coach with Tampa. We took him to dinner. And then, you know, here just so many years later down the road, he's in my town, Indianapolis, coaching, you know, my NFL team. And uh, it was just, I just felt so happy for him, you know, and again, being the first African-American coach to win a Super Bowl and just a, a total class act. Uh, it was such a very emotional time and was just very, very happy for the, all the fans of Central Indiana.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the All-Star Game is coming to India in 2021. It has been 30-plus years since the last All-Star Game was here. What is the excitement like in the organization for bringing the All-Star Game back, and what will the city organization need to do in order to pull it off to have success like they did when they hosted the pre-Super Bowl festivities?
0: Well, I think it's a, that's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I think anything our city touches turns to gold. I yeah. Mean, I think that the All Star Game, um, there's a lot of plans, a lot of work that's already got into it, believe it or not, uh, and more work that will go into it to make it. uh, You know, our goal is like we were at the Super Bowl to make it the best NBA All Star Game that's ever been held. Yeah, and that's that's for the media, the people coming to town, the different activities, all the parties and stuff like that. You know, we can get a break in the weather like we did the Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind the NBA and the, and the broadcasting partners are going to walk away going, wow, what mm-hmm. was that? That was amazing. We know what our community does. I mean, you know, when that Super Bowl came here, it just wasn't just the football thing. The Speedway was involved. The Pacers were involved. The city, the state, the counties were involved. And it's going to be the same thing with the All-Star Game. It's going to be a collective effort, and uh, there's no doubt we will put on the best All-Star Game the NBA has ever seen. Love it.
3: So Pacers Media Day is coming up, and with that, who do you think is the guy that media members and fans should be most looking forward to hearing from?
0: Who's the guy? I'm sorry
3: I missed that. No, who's the guy that you think that uh, you know media members and fans should be
0: looking forward to hearing from the most? Kyle O'Quinn. Love it. Keep an eye on Kyle O'Quinn. Just just, just. Uh, remember, you heard it here. Kyle O'Quinn is going to be a guy who's going to steal the hearts of Pacers fans. And he is going to... Uh, not only is he going to help us on the court, and he's going to deliver the goods, he's going to be an absolute riot. The media are going to love this guy. They're going to come to him for quotes. Uh, it, he's going to be something special. He, he's going to do... For the Pacers and, and create electricity similar to what Pat McAfee did when he came to the Colts. Wow. When when he just kind of, you know, was this engaging personality, funny as heck, he's, he, he's amazing. He's going to be unbelievable. Okay, so literally about 10 minutes
3: ago, this just broke on NBA.com, but uh, apparently Pritchard came out and said that Kyle O'Quinn might not see like rotational minutes early. And so this is what Pritchard said his, his pitch to Qu- O'Quinn was when he was trying to get him to come to the Pacers. So we don't know if you're going to play a minute or 500 minutes, but there's a role that Al Jefferson held last year that was tremendous, a tremendous role for us, and it's been very important, and we would like you to fill that position can he do that? Can he do that? Only playing, you know, a few minutes here and there. I mean, is he that type of
0: personality? I think you answered your own question. If 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 Kevin Pritchard was that honest in in his his presentation to Kyle Quinn, and I believe Kyle didn't waste much time getting back to Kevin, and he got back to him with what an affirmative thumbs up. I want in. Yeah. I mean, what, what what does it say? What does it say? If he, is he the the you know the quintessential spoiled, hey, I want my numbers, this is about me type of cat. No, because that cat ain't gonna work at Bankers Like Fieldhouse. He's the perfect guy to fit into what we're trying to do. And the fact that Kevin was dead honest. Dead honest with him. He wasn't telling a used car. This is the real deal. This is our culture. And Kyle Quinn heard it. And and he could have said, wait a minute, he said this agent, man, I may not play. I'm going to go out to Indiana and freeze in the winter and not play. you got to be kidding me. No, he was like, there's something special going on here. There's something really, really special. There's something unique going on out there. They're building something. You know what? I want in. I want in. And I think that's all you need to know. I think you answered your question and you didn't even know it, but you did.
3: I'm so smart, I can answer my own questions. I, I wish I could use You're that. Brilliant. In You're I'm absolutely just, brilliant. I love it. I love it. Okay, that that was the last hard-hitting question, but something that I have to ask you. Who is your favorite Pacer player of all time? Mine is Dale Davis. It's not even close. Just a, just a bad man. He was just a bad man. When I was growing up, I loved him. So who is your favorite Pacer of all time, and why?
0: Oh, boy. That's a great question. Um, favorite Pacer player of all time. You know, I—, I uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw him out of left field too. I, I'm gonna have to say Antonio Davis. because Antonio Davis was just first of all, he was a great guy, a great guy, and his wife was a great person, and he was just solid. But he was a guy who worked so hard to get that opportunity. It was about helping the team. You know, he he, he was never looking for personal glory. You know, both him and Dale would just go out there and just beat the crap out of people. <laughs> and and do what they had to do, and they were genuine. They were flat. There was no pretense. You know, I love it. They were the Davis boys, and they just went out there and got it done. So you can have Dale, and I think I'd have to say my guy was Antonio
3: Davis. I love it. Bash Brothers, even though, you know, the Davis name, I love that people like just think that they're related like constantly. It just happened to be just a perfect opportunity to have two guys (laughs) named Davis just like to beat the crap out of each other. Yep. I don't know what else you can want, honestly. But okay, Eddie, um, I think we are going to let you go now. Um, Any chance, uh, you know, you might want to meet up at the uh, Fan Jam with a couple podcasting guys.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'll be there. Yeah, you come find me. I'll look for you. You look for me. I'll be around. We got the, you know, it's going to be unbelievable. You know, Slicks kind of could be there. We'll, we'll be down there signing autographs, schmoozing with people, and and those things are so much fun. Uh, it is so great. It's it's perfect that it's right after the Colts game. So people who to go going to Colts game, as soon as it's over, just matriculate down Georgia Street, boom, right into Banker's Life, and uh, it's going to be fun. I cannot wait to get this season started and. Uh, I thank you guys enough for the time, and I hope we can do this again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you stumble across any extra Super Bowl tickets, I mean, we're always willing to take those (laughs) off
0: your hands as well. (laughs) You got it.
2: All right, thanks a lot, Eddie. Thanks a lot, Eddie. All right, guys, that wraps up our interview with Eddie White. Really appreciate him coming on. Gave us some really great insight there, so hope you guys enjoyed that. But I'm going to put, even you intern, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. I want you to give me one takeaway it could be from the Eddie White interview. It could be Pacers related. Just one takeaway that you have right now that's Pacers related, uh, Eddie White related. Well, just give me a takeaway.
1: I liked how he said that. What happens if Aaron Holiday wins Rookie of the Year? I, that never really crossed my lexicon, just because I think it's kind of far fetched. But I mean, Mark Malcolm Brogdon did win it on a pretty down, you know, rookie class that one time. So I mean, it's possible, and then that would just bring a whole other aspect that people, you know, you kind of look to. At holidays, coming off the bench, hitting a couple threes, filling some minutes every now and then. But, I mean, the Rookie of the Year talk with Eddie White got, got me going a little bit. Excited. And I'm just ready for the season. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to lose my mind. We just got – the season needs to come. I agree. We need to see – We need, we need the fan jam. We need the season. We just need – We need game. to see some
3: pace basketball. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Um, my big takeaway from it, I thought it was awesome um, how we talked about uh, Coach McMillan has uh, – you know, piloted teams with several big name and you know just a lot of free agents on one team. He's piloted teams like that before to fifty yeah. win seasons. Um, obviously, direct comparisons to the team we have this year. Obviously, we brought in several new players, and we got to have some cohesion. And I thought Eddie White did a great job of pinpointing um, why Nate McMillan is good at bringing guys together. Mm-hmm. And I think that is huge in the basic and you know average. NBA fan probably doesn't know what all goes into it but Eddie was able to kind of navigate us through that process I'm really excited to see how uh, Kylo Quinn looks in media day yeah I bet bet he looks tall
1: I bet he looks tall I bet he looks looks fierce kind of like a brick mountain I I can't wait I'm hoping the beard looks good it's gotta look good Eddie was very high on him yeah I I want to see how that mentioned him several times he's got a little man crush on Kylo Quinn for sure
2: (laughs) could kind of compare him to the mountain from Game of Thrones maybe
1: Eh, cool. That's pushing it. I mean, the mountains. He's a zombie mountain, so yeah. I don't think Kylo <laughs> Quinn's a zombie. Yeah, I
3: don't know. I I think uh, I think he definitely thinks Kylo Quinn's going to get some minutes. Um, and even if he doesn't, sounds like he's the right fit based on what Pritchard recently said yeah. about him. So, I'm high. I'm high on him as well. And I think that if he is called upon, he'll go in and just be a rebounding machine. Just be yeah. a monster. And I
1: also think Patrick Holmes will win the MVP this year. Oh, Patrick Holmes! Hey, yeah.
2: yeah. Give me your uh, <laughs> give me your week. After two weeks in the NFL, give me your MVPs. Um, it's either
1: Fitzmagic or Mahomes, probably. And uh, I'm gonna go Mahomes because I don't. I think you know Fitzmagic will flare out. I'm going to go a little bit opposite. I'm going to go
3: Sam Bradford because the single-handedly
1: um, <laughs> securing the number one yeah, pick, handedly
3: <laughs> securing the number one pick overall for the Cardinals, and uh, I think they, you know, desperately could use a pass rusher and uh, interior interior defensive line help. And Ed Oliver will be the number one pick. So, congrats to the Cardinals. Calling you now, um, you've outlasted the Bills, and you're probably like two and fourteen by the end of the season. So, so I mean, congrats. Nick
1: Bosa will be a, a Bill then. Could, could Nick Bosa
3: could be a bill. I mean, Ed Oliver. I don't know. Defensive lineman of some sort. So, yeah. Congrats on uh, to Josh Rosen on his first couple touchdown passes, by the way, too.
1: Intern, what do you think? And you can't say anybody we already said. I have to give it to Cleo Mack. He's really just shown the Raiders that... They made a bad decision by not signing him. Defensive player, winning MVP, I love it. I love it. You only get that from the intern folks.
3: Fitzpatrick's on
2: my fantasy team, so I'm giving it to him. But this is going to air after week three, so we could all look like complete idiots.
3: Hopefully. Congrats to the Browns on their first win on Thursday Night Football.
1: And congrats to the Colts for upsetting the the Super Bowl champions.
2: Carson Wentz, torn ACL again. Tough to see. can't can't believe
3: it. Cannot believe
2: it. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because it's going to get out of hand. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We will be back next week with episode 18. Thanks for joining us, guys. One, two,
0: three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.